to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact. We're all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to welcome to it. Welcome to it. Tonight, tonight's special episode. Returning guest, Gem from Dead, all the way coming, from, coming all the way live from Australia. Uh, gonna, gonna see what the, that awesome fellow's been up to been a long pandemic they keep very busy their work ethic is astounding as well as the output so you can say someone's work ethic is great and that means that maybe you don't like what actually comes out of it <laughs> i think people do that uh as a way to get out of uh saying things sometimes but i actually quite like everything they do so before we get to that i'm going to do this thing that still is quite unnatural to me but i will continue to do so because people tell me that i should so Welcome to Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. I am your host, Conan Neutron. I am a rock and roll lifer who has toured and recorded for over 22 years, most known for the band Conan Neutron the Secret Friends. Music is a huge part of my life, and I use the format of this very long-running podcast to talk about music with musicians whose work I enjoy and respect. Folks that may or may not be household names, but do something very special. This is episode 297. Good Lord, I'm feeling all 297 of them right now. Let me tell you. If this is your first time listening to the show, all of the archives are at protonicreversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. And if you'd like to support the show and get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash protonicreversal. Also, if you like the show or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All of that helps people find the show and... It's just a darn nice thing to do. So there you go. That's 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 the spiel. Uh, I'm happy to do it. Uh, well, happy may be wrong, but I, I definitely did it. So I got that going for me. And without further ado, well, maybe a little ado. But without further ado, let's bring on Jem. Jem, how you doing, man? Hold on. Let me let me unmute you, and then, then you can tell me. <laughs> there you go. That's a much more high tech setup than all the last time in this outfit. It is. It's it's really exciting to be part of this whole. Because I've been listening the whole time, but I always just listen. I actually haven't watched, or maybe I've watched it one or two. But this is this is really cool. Yeah. The one thing that I uh, dislike about the video is that it kind of there's times it looks like I'm not paying attention or I'm like wandering off. Oh, and checking my email or something. I'm actually doing like important things, but I. That, yes. that's, where, that's where the crack show of like producing your own show and also hosting it and this and that and the other. And I think you can, you get a more leeway of from folks if it's audio only that way, but 
people like the video and it's nice to see you. It's nice to see you. We don't get to see our friends anymore, right? So it's nice to see you. I have to say I was thinking exactly that when you said, oh, are we doing audio only or are we doing video? Part of me thought, you know what? <laughs> It'd be really nice to see you. <laughs> like, <laughs> good to see anybody anymore, right? Yeah. Uh, love the fact that you guys in your own way have kept very busy and productive. There has been less touring now, I think for, for during this pandemic, since the entire time you guys have basically been a band at this point. Right. I mean, you're, you're pretty much yeah. always at least planning something. Yeah. We were always on tour from the very beginning. Um, until the day of the pandemic. Right. Um, and we haven't toured since we've done a few shows here and there, but it's as you would, anyone listening that's been a touring musician would know it's, they're really, really different things. When your tour fit is very, very different to doing the odd show, you know, sneaking them in while you can. And um, it's probably more unpredictable now than it's been at any point um, in time. With, with no signs yeah. at really changing, I think at this point. No, no, just just people that are generally over it, so they keep behaving as if it's changing, but it's not yet. So, yeah, we shall see. Power of positive thinking, but it's really not positive thinking. It's just the like, oh, I don't want this to be here anymore, so I'm just going to like, yeah, not acknowledge it. Which is like, really, that's really like, if if this was in a movie script, I wouldn't actually believe it. Yet here we are. Yeah, and I find it really hard to do the. I mean, I find it hard to sell myself anyway, but I find it really hard to sell shows when there's this, you know, increasingly growing or, or herd of elephants in the room, which right. is like, hang on, this this might not happen. <laughs> and come on out, it and, may or may not happen, exactly. Yeah. And and your ticket might still be kind of a bit useless because you might get sick that day or, you know, like so it's just this, um, yeah, I've found that part of it frustrating because in a way what I'd prefer is more to just announce shows like the day before and just go, right, this is what's happening, you know, um, if you're Almost here, you're like, here. Uh, flash mobs or something. I don't know if you're familiar with those. With those <laughs> Not familiar. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I sort of think of it almost a bit like. It wouldn't surprise me if that was a uniquely American thing because it's obnoxious and definitely born of the children of privilege so it's got to be it's got to be that it came from you but um yeah, sure. I'm, unfortunately sure. i've um i've been sort of on the perimeter of a couple and I, i'd say they're up there as some of the most awkward things yeah. <laughs> well because it's like you get people oh hey let's ride the subway in our underwear okay great you know that's awesome. yeah like good for you guys like i mean is that if that's that's what you're busy with all right sure <laughs> yeah okay you know, uh, if, that, if, that's, if that's what does it for you, cool. I mean, I guess the idea of like doing something kind of like interesting and different, like from everyday life, that I can get behind. But I don't know why this turned into me pivoting about flash mobs. But yeah, I think it's the combination of like planned spontaneity that makes it a bit <laughs> awkward. <laughs> let's be spontaneous. Eight p.m. tomorrow. Uh, let's yeah. all be spontaneous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, and there's something that's kind of just. I, I don't know. It, it seems like that was maybe more tolerable uh, when there was less outright fascism, like you know, jumping around when the fascism was a little more overt. Now, yeah. it's just like 
come on, man. Really? <laughs> like, this is what you're up to? This is what you're up to. Okay. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, but plan spontaneity, you know, you know, just make the cameras. <laughs> You want it, you want to, you want people to show up, but yeah, how do you, how do you motivate people to come out when it's like, hey, maybe a thing, may, may not be a thing. But yeah, like, and you, you're also promoting something that you know for some people is really like, you know, I've got friends that are um, immunocompromised, immunocompromised, and yeah, that's very uh, it's, it's a weird time because, you know, um, all of us underground bands are familiar with the, um, reality of what we do being offensive to people um but now it's like oh shit even playing just the fact that i'm playing a show is is upsetting to some people and that's uh actually and i understand why like so yeah it's you conflicted even in yourself when you're playing a show going oh is this going to be a spreader um but it's also going to be a spreader of love so you know, right, right, exactly. Yeah. COVID and love. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I think that there's, but yet, yeah, so here's, of course, in my raccoon like persnickiness, here's what I've turned it around to that mm. would you apply that same level of moral culpability towards sporting events, right? Or, or other like larger, because I, I mean, again, you guys at least seem to have a modicum of, of, uh, you know, shifting drunk dad logic but some amount of logic with it whereas here people just are whatever we're doing is it make money good we need to make money now now that's what we're doing and, and like there's no culpability there's no answer there's people just acting like it never happened which is which requires a certain degree of uh, mental disconnection that i didn't think was possible frankly but uh here we are yeah well um i, I don't want to talk about it for too long <laughs> because oh, no, no, I just no, know no, everyone's no. sick of it. But yeah, but yeah. I can tell you what has happened here that's pretty weird. Talk about it for too long. Um, as you probably, or you might know, like Melbourne, which is the city closest to us, um, had the longest lockdown in the world. Yeah. Um, we were a, bit, well, we're a lot luckier because we're in the country, but essentially that lockdown also meant that we couldn't go to Melbourne at all. There was a, they called it the ring of steel. So country people weren't allowed in and city people weren't allowed out. So um, we probably had the most severe, um, you know, the most extreme approach, you know, in a good way, but as far as trying to limit the spread and all of that. And then we just kind of did a 180 and let it rip. Yeah, and it's, it's like if you had a yacht, then like you're good. Like people that have yachts, <laughs> you're okay. Everyone else, yeah. no. <laughs> so it's it's a very strange time because yeah, uh, I honestly I I my sort of social anxieties that I always sort of thought were kind of manageable now are like crazy. Like I'll just be halfway through someone's show and I'm like, yeah, I've I've got to get out of here. <laughs> I can't. And I think it's from, yeah, we had, I think it was 200 days or something in a row where you couldn't do that. So uh, it's weird to suddenly do it. Um, and this strange mixture of, I don't know. But look, the positive side of it was we came up with a bunch of things that we really enjoy doing. Like, um, yeah, we did, and we're still doing them, um, like noise shows where we're completely covered and um, everyone can be spaced out and, 
they can we can do them outdoors we've done most of them outdoors and um so that's that's been really fun um uh, it's just been a bit sad that there hasn't been much of that yeah it's mainly been just what you were saying it's mainly been people going all right we'll put pause on and then we'll just go back to the way things were and then we'll pause it and then we'll go back right very very little adaption yeah well and yeah. It, but it's it shouldn't discount the ingenuity of bands such as yourself are finding ways through it and finding ways to maintain creativity and you know maintain viability as art artists and uh, musicians just to you know keep 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 going day after day to to move forward because it, it's you know I, I think it's stigmatized and people don't want to talk about that because for whatever reason after all these decades of, of music especially independent music people still have this idea it's like almost famous or something and that if you admit any kind of fault or doubt that you're somehow unworthy or like everyone is quote-unquote faking it till they make it but then like a band such as yourselves that clearly you do it because you love it and you do it because you have something to say and you and you have a way of going about it that is it's for the people that it's for and i mean i think that's enviable and i think that that's unfortunately it's bands such as yourselves that have probably had it the worst, right? If you were just a hobbyist where you're like, ah, oh, you know, it's like macrame. I can put it up, put it, turn it down. Like, ah, I just won't do any macrame today. Fine. But, yeah. But, but if you have to do it, then you're boned to a certain degree. I mean, like, uh, you know, yeah. not exactly, but I mean, it's, it's been interesting seeing people deal with that. And I think you guys are actually a, a good template for, you know, rather than dwelling in the, the, the nasty now, finding things that, that challenge you and that make you, you know, what, try different things and, and push yourself forward. Uh, I mean, at least that's from the outside perspective anyway. I don't know. Maybe, maybe none of that's true. No, we're both pretty, <laughs> I think the way our brains work, we're both not, not really into fantasy. You know, um, uh, neither of us are particularly sort of religious or anything like that. Um, we, we tend to um, try to be brave and accept the realities that are uh, and deal with them. Um, and so that sort of meant, um, yeah, having to separate what we would like to do <laughs> right. uh, from what we could actually do. Um, so... Yeah, I mean that the the album that um, we will release soon. It's um, partly written, well, very much written actually. It was written because we thought, oh, we'll need something that we can perform with everyone, including us, in masks, which we thought right, would right. Be become normal. But it actually just that never happened. What happened was no shows, and then shows with no safety protocol and then shows you know uh, and then no shows again and so we we're kind of like, ah fuck once again we've misjudged <laughs> you know we thought we were kind of being clever uh writing music that we can do without shouting but um nah uh it, it hasn't really worked out that way anyway so yeah and that's what's so crazy to me too is that it it, it was like that where i saw a few you know people there's definitely I think there was definitely a time that if you felt comfortable playing your playing your acoustic guitar at the camera and singing, it was your world. Yeah. 
and if and if you weren't, it was not your world, and maybe it should is something that you know tacitly you expected that it should become your world. Uh, but I think that I saw a few sort of masked live streams, I guess, and and that was over mm. <laughs> completely. And I don't un- I don't really understand why, other than the fact that people just got tired of COVID. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's all it was. It's crazy. Um, and yeah, I, we didn't really do the streaming thing. And I've got to be honest, I didn't really watch many of them. Um, I got to be and honest, it's just, I didn't either. Yeah, I, th- th- there seems to be a small uh, window of like, of certain music that it, it can really work for it. Right. Um, but it's not rock and roll, that's for sure. You know, Um and even some of the, you know, like I remember sort of watching, you know, I, I never got to see the Jesus Lizard live, but I remember watching their DVD yeah. and going, wow, this is amazingly boring for a band that are incredible. Like, isn't this should feel better, but, you know, but it sort of doesn't because I'm not there. Like, that's just, that's what rock and roll is. It's about you need to actually be shook, you know? And so I, I'm just not a, I, I'll watch footage of bands I love for sort of nerdy reasons, you know, like, oh, how is he playing that bit, yeah, you know? What's, or, that, what's that feel? Like, you know, what does that, what does that look like when they play it live? Yeah, what but it's it? never, it's never comparable. And the only exception to that being if you get to like, go see like a Hendrix concert at the cinema, you know? Right, you just, it's like a full tactile experience, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe smoke a joint or something first just to really, you know, let yourself just pretend, you know, but as far as watching people, you know, play a show on my laptop or a um, phone, uh, look, we didn't do it just because we thought, let's just focus on doing the stuff we love rather than um, broadcasting it. And everyone sort of had their role. So I, I sort of think of you a bit like, and this is a compliment, by the way, like this is a huge compliment. One of my favorite characters from The Simpsons is Krusty, right? Right. And it's because, you know, the episode where Sideshow Bob makes them abolish television? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Krusty's like, no, nah, I'm not having that. You know, he goes out to the desert, finds this little generator. He's like, damn it, you know, I'm still going to do what I do. And that's, you know, this sort of like podcast has been like, you know, uh, yeah, everything is falling apart. But, you know, I'm going to keep doing this. and And it's... I think a lot of us, you know, well, I feel like it's connected a, a whole lot of different people, you know. Um, so we've all got our role and um, I'm grateful that people like yourself have stayed in communication. I'm stoked that people have done streams if they needed to. Um, yeah. We just sort of focused more on, um, yeah, what music can we write and how can we use music as a way of dealing with um all the shit that has happened and we haven't been able to, you know, we haven't been able to go to funerals. We haven't been able to see people when they're struggling, all that stuff. So it's been a bit of a, honestly, I think, yeah, up until the pandemic, we've generally been a bit more deliberately immature with our music, like not in a bad way, but just that's our humor, you know, Yeah, yeah. we're just we're perpetually 14 year old boys. And then in the last couple of years, it's sort of been like, all right, shit we may need to call upon these skills in order to process <laughs> some grief you know like this just yeah 
and and we've been able to do that so that's great you know yeah yeah and and that's very real and you know that's something that everybody's sort of dealing with and i think that there's it's almost an act of bravery just to survive it at all right let alone be creative during it and i think that some people are very hard on themselves if they feel like they're not keeping up with their favorite artist or you know their friends or, or whatever and i mean it look it's a minor miracle any of us are able to, to get to it all frankly yeah is how i look at it. And, and that's 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 not something to take lightly i mean i don't you know i like I, i'm just i'm over here just you know whatever and like so the fact that someone's getting something out of it is, is fantastic and the fact that it's been an anchor for people is, is for what folks that have been is lovely but i mean it was literally just that or stare at the walls and you know wait to wait till i die like the big black song you know like what's <laughs> <it's> like anything <laughs> else going on man <laughs> so that's just a, a case in accidental uh accidentally being providing a service in the, in the zeitgeist and i think there's other examples of that as well and people kind of finding hidden strength and, and things along those lines to well, what does it mean to you and something that i think i've has been a running theme with with this show has sort of been like well yeah all the walls are taken down to like do all these things easier but it's almost like it should hurt a little bit if it really means something to you and i feel like it doesn't or it didn't for a long time, and now it's like, oh, now it does. Now, now, it, now it hurts quite a bit, and like you really yeah. have to ask yourself how much you want it. How much do you want it? How much does this mean to you? How much is sharing this mean to you? And you know, I've known people that have stopped. I've known people that have never been more creative as well, and it's and I know a lot of people right in the middle, including some of them playing guitars with the camera, bless their hearts. And there's not a wrong answer, but it's I I. It is a universal constant that everyone's had to deal with it. Yeah, and definitely. We spent the first 20 freaking minutes of the conversation talking about something that everybody already knows, but I think it's worth it <laughs> checking again, right? I mean, good Lord. <laughs> so on that, I love this. This, this the, So I like, first of all, when I say your new recording, I have to be more specific. Mm. And I, I love that as well. But you break down, not for me, obviously, I know about it, but break down this, this latest one, the one you just sent the artwork over at, at the time of this recording. Yeah. This is, this is, this is pure, and I, and I mean this as a compliment, this is pure dead nonsense. But I love it. <laughs> I, I, I love it dearly because you guys are on your own plane of existence. But I feel this is very clever and interesting. Uh, can, can, so in your own words, Jim, can you explain this, this new release, the new new release? Um, well, what I can tell you about it is it, um, it wouldn't, this is yeah, one silver lining. It would not have happened if it weren't for everything stopping. Uh, and that's sort of because, um, because we've always been so busy and always looking ahead and planning, we've tended to do things with a, a somewhat shorter attention span. Um, but I come from, in my, you know, before I met Jace, the music I played, I would be, you know, my bands wrote 40 minute songs. And um, I would sometimes, you know, um, we would improvise for like, I'm not joking, like four or five hours at a time. Um, so I kind of came from that long form thing. And then when I met Jace, it was almost like, you know, um, two 
opposing, you know, Jace really is how I kind of learned about what punk really was, you know, like, because I grew up in the 90s, I, you know, I had the unfortunate um, experience of hearing punk as, you know, Blink-182 and all these fucking horrid bands, frankly. Um, so there's always been this sort of thing of like, oh, maybe it'd be good to do something a bit more long form. And when we realised, hey, we're going to have to stop singing, <laughs> like we can rehearse, but we can't sing. Um, and And that's probably maybe how the shows will be. We sort of started thinking about, I, I, it's funny because the, everything just evolves with us as it goes along. And so we probably remember it slightly differently. But I think what happened was I said to Jace, hey, I want to kind of do our version of Dead Man. You know, oh, I want to do like the soundtrack, the Jim Jarmusch. Uh, so for those not familiar, well, first of all, school yourself. But the, the brilliant <laughs> soundtrack that is Neil Young scoring the Jim Jarmusch movie. And it's just him. It's just guitar. And like, yes, yeah. Like, and there's uh, was it diegetic noises? Like I think it was like some traffic noises at some point. I was like, dude, it's a western, and it's like, but it's part of it's it's part of the the soundtrack. The the, the car the car slam that that <laughs> door that slams it just fucks me. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have that in, in western times. Was that a somebody slamming the horse door? Like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> um. So but, I but think that's really where we started. Yeah, and then. And that the concept being, oh, hey, Jace, I would like to do something where the album is soundtracky in the sense that, hey, we might repeat the same idea, you know, three or four times, and um, and I'd like to be able to pull that off the way Neil Young did. <laughs> you know, right. set, set, set your goals, you know, achievable. Um, and. I think we started working on that idea, but then very quickly, and this is a good thing with with Jace, we can both have a different sort of motive, you know, motive, and it's okay. We just keep working together. I, I almost liken it to two toddlers, you know, how they play next to each other, and right, <laughs> they've actually they're in different realities, but it's fine. They they can still. So the opening track is. The first, it, it predates Dead as a band. So we wrote it in our old band about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we actually recorded it. And I was like, nah, we didn't quite nail it. So we never released it. And we always intended to kind of do something with it down the line. And then it suddenly felt like, oh, now we've got time to do that. Um, and that starts side A. And side b starts with a track that was actually written for raving drooling but was kind of a bit too um i don't know just not not kind of metal enough and and it was always written as a kind of part two you know right to the first track so we kind of was like all right we've got those how do we you know bring them together and essentially it just became an album that was both one long piece but also little pieces. I think I spent a lot of time saying, look, I don't want to go down that path of like the doom bands where it's a 20 minute song because they just play one riff forever, um, which I love. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I grew up doing that, but 
I think Jace particularly. All love, all love, but other bands have done it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Jay, so then we started basically viewing it as, um, okay, this album will be our version of an orchestra. Like if dead was an orchestra, um, how might we approach it? Um, and yeah, very, it sort of started to become clear, right? There's not going to be, I think we just didn't sing on it because at the risk of sounding wanky, um, sometimes it's easier to express how you feel if you just stop using words. Um, they're a bit too specific sometimes and maybe, um, yeah, I find it harder to get them right. Um, so, yeah, um, we wrote, we put the whole thing together when we were just in isolation uh, a lot of stop start a lot of okay we can rehearse this week oh now we can't we don't know when we can again um a few technically illegal rehearsals where we were like fuck this you know people are allowed to go to work you know but we're not allowed to rehearse you know no we're going to rehearse because we you know we had a space in which we could do it where we were a long way from each other right right just get yourself a yacht let's get yourself a yeah yacht. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and so it just kind of uh, is a really fun experience to put it together that, you know, there's a few songs there where, I, you know, I think it's the second or third track. Jace came in and just said, I've written you a song, Jim. Like, this is, Oh. you know, um, it was a weird feeling. I think it was like we're seeing each other often, but we can't hug each other and we can't. Yeah, do the things that we would normally do. So we we missed each other as well. Like, um, you know, um, Jace would sort of come around sometimes and just you know wave through the window, and I'd I'd be on the other side of the window going, "Yeah, this is insane." Like, um, and you're there, but you're not really there. It's almost like you're. um... (laughs) Did you ever see the television show Quantum Leap with Dean Stockwell's The Hologram? Oh, no, I haven't. No, yeah, Yeah. I feel like I should. It's 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 a it's a good enough show. But um, they used to watch with my dad. The Dean Stockwell character was like his guide and advisor, but he was a hologram. So even if they were like hanging out or having like a rough moment or something, you can't like console him or anything. Like he's just he's he's there. He's actually in the future, beamed back as like a like a thing of light. You know so. Anyway, I just wanted to make a hologram analogy not what I feel you've never seen. So, uh, <laughs> analogy, yeah. But yeah, look, we just started putting it it's together. And, you've and never I... seen, by the way. It's just like that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I very much, the way I approached how to play this stuff, I really was constantly in my, in the back of my mind, thinking of the, the final Harvey Milk album. Um, oh, which sure. Yeah. I just, that album blows me away. And the way that Kyle plays the drums on that is so, um, again, going back to that sort of orchestra idea, he's so um, just dedicated to supporting the song. Um, I don't think he does a fill maybe until like, he basically doesn't really do a fill actually on the whole album. If you, if you think about it, he's, he's constantly playing with the guitar or so I, I know I've had a few ideas like that too. I was like, I'm not going to do any fills until the end, you know, like, um, so there's a lot of things that were different for us. I have no idea if when people listen to it, 
they might go, oh, it just sounds like another dead record. I don't know. But for us, it was very, very different. Um, and another thing that was really cool is we were able to record the album in the same room that we wrote it, um, which was just really, it just, everything I guess has taken on a different meaning, you know, during this time. And it just felt really special because we were, um, during the writing one day, a good friend of ours, you know, she was walking with a friend down by the creek, which happens, you know, sort of be near the studio that we were rehearsing in. And she said, you know, oh, we just kind of lay down and we were really struggling. We lay down in the grass and then we could hear you like playing this piece over and over. And we, you know, it just really meant a lot to us. And um, I just, I don't know, it just felt really good to be able to go, all right, well, in that same space that we wrote it all, um, we can, you know, record it. And um, yeah, so that's what we did. And, and we, um, our friend Jenny plays sax. We sort of made her be the horn section. So the poor woman had to do like four <laughs> sax parts and stuff like that. And yeah, and there's also a very, we took a very deliberate approach to, um, there's quite a few moments on the record that um, are completely live. There's no overdubs. Um, there is no effects on anything. Ah, okay. So because I think I, now that you say that, now it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I can I can notice that. But at the time, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just sort of like thinking. What I was thinking about is that and it's it's such an overutilized term, but it seems cinematic to me. And the fact that it seemed like it was almost mm. in the part of a movie you weren't seeing or something. Oh, it's de very deliberately. You know, we wrote it with that in mind. Basically, the idea that <laughs> if we had the budget, there would be a movie. Then we'll go with it. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. What, um, what else are these guys getting next? Oh, they made a movie. Of course they did. Yeah. Of course they did. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> um, and yeah, and it's all very yeah. Like I said, so I guess where it shifted from that original sort of dead man idea was every single bar is deliberately there. Like there's no, um, you know. So I spent a lot of time deciding. Oh, should that go for five, or should that go for three, or should that go for, you know, four and a half or something, and yeah. It's all really deliberately put together. Um, and yeah, and that's, we rehearsed it as one long, you know, 40 minute piece over and over and over. And then we recorded it um, in order. Every, every song is the first take on that recording. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. Except the first song. I think, I think what I did is, because usually, you know, your first day is mainly setting up drums and stuff, and then you you start recording right. and you're a bit tired. So I think I came in on the second day and I said, oh, I think I can do a better job of the first song. So we redid the first song, but everything else was just, you know, we just played it once and really deliberately wanted to keep it warts and all. Like I really wanted to keep that um, uh, just, I think particularly for me, a lot of the bands that we sort of, get kind of um associated with um a lot of them tend to overdo it production wise for my liking um and it's just you know in the modern day everything's become more and more you know everyone's trying to sound as heavy as they can and they're often leaning on technology to do that um yeah, yeah. rather than so, sound like a rock band they want to sound like you know 
the end of times or something. Where it's like, okay, well, it sounds crazy, all right, but yeah. Yeah, and there's no rules like that works awesome for a band like Killing Joke or Ministry or something where sure. you want it to sound so you know hyper real. But um, yeah, so that for that reason, I didn't make a rule, but um, when we mixed it, there there's there is no effect. So all the reverb you hear is room reverb, uh, and that's it. That's <laughs> that's it. You know. Um, uh, there's yeah i just didn't want to lean on any kind of effects i just wanted it to sound like us and um and yes there's quite a few layers in parts but even every one of them like um basically jace had to send them through me to be approved <laughs> you know i was like i don't want a single you know guitar just because we thought hey should we throw an extra guitar here like no every <laughs> Every, every piece is, is yeah it it's got a reason puzzle, yeah right? it's there for a reason right sure yeah and so we think of it like the orchestra is us that's it um and there's there's that you know when that third guitar comes in that's a third guitarist that's just been waiting the whole time as you <laughs> you know I've, I've played in an orchestra before and it's 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 terrifying you just wait okay yeah and you All count right. 72 bars and you go fuck i hope i'm at the right spot and then you go to hit the bass drum and yeah, yeah. and I've, I've also been the person that fucked up in an orchestra and hit the wrong thing at the wrong time and it's it's up there as one of the you know if i could erase a moment from my uh, memory it's <laughs> that's why it could be very fun yeah i mean that's yeah well there's something about the patience of of, of doing that that it's i think you know it is very common in orchestral music but within rock music rock music especially i feel like especially with guys everybody's got to be going the entire time yeah like why is Kirk Hammett playing guitar in Metallica half the time? You go, what's what's he actually doing? What value are you, know? you at right now? You're just playing, yeah. playing. I, and yeah. like whatever, it's that's 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 we've come to accept that as just an arrangement choice. But there is something to be said for subtraction and addition. You know, like uh, yeah, I, I've had to, you know, lecture people's the wrong word, but I've I've had to sort of guide people in my own band of like, no, don't play there, just let it be. Let, let, let it be for a couple of measures, then come in. And then, and then that, that'll actually have more impact than if you were just going the whole time. And uh, yeah, and you want to play, you want to play, you're there to play, right? But well, there's what you're doing, and there's what people are hearing. And I think that restraint, you know, I think that, that definitely comes with age. And it's just, I mean, I, I don't want to be sexist about it, but female players are just better, more intuitive towards it, I feel. My, yeah, my, I mean, that's, yeah. There's, there's a whole um, other podcast in them unpacking that, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to I tend to agree with you, and and I, I have my, you know, sort of theories as to why, but um, I, I think that you're right, and um, and it's particularly why you know I think often women are great drummers because they yeah. are team players and they they play to the song rather than try to show off, but. Um, the way that we really approach this, you know, is again, it's about, and, and again, if you think to that Harvey Milk album, it's about active silence. So at yes. every moment, as a composition, decide, or not, yes, yeah, you decide what am I going to do and what am I not going to do? Yeah. And 
and they're ju both just as important. Um, so, so much of this record is um, me deciding not to play something, right? Which probably doesn't, you know, who's ever going to know? But um, it, it's like it, the setup to, it, a, to a joke, right? Oh, it's the notes he didn't play, but it is the kind of the notes he didn't play. It's, you know, it, it's like that we don't yeah. have capacity to deal with that earnestly and engage with it because when we think of, you know. Everybody wants to make their John Cage joke. Hey, great! I've done it myself. Uh, you know, like, I, and it's 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 very funny to like adopt like some sort of like snobby voice while saying it. But it space matters. Yes, and it is and, a choice. Yeah, and working with it is, uh, I guess, like anything. So you've got you know one extreme where a band you know which you know I I, I can enjoy bands like this as well, but. Bands, you know, like Dillinger Escape Plan or Converge or um, even like at the drive-in or something where they're just sort of relentlessly going for it all the time. Mars um, Volta. Is it? <laughs> it's just um, like, oh, my God. Settle down, Beavis. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got bands that go to the other extreme. Like, oh, okay, yeah, we're not going to be like that. So we'll just be really, really minimal. Like they've maybe taken like um, a lot of influence from a band like Shellac or something and then they've gone, yeah, but we're going to go – but for me, it's about the, the bit that's more challenging is the um, that area that's right in the middle, which is, um, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to just, you know, stick to one idea. I'm going to sort of be open as, I, as, as I'm doing it. And um, it's, it becomes a bit more elastic. Like I guess what I find with a lot of those bands at either extreme is I start to get bored because I know what, energy they're going to give me all the time um even when that you know like uh do you remember dog shredder oh I, yeah i i fuck man one I, of the I, best I, they, they they opened total fest one year that we played with them they played at like 6 p.m or something and just fucking destroyed the place we played and, a show in my old band and like i didn't know anything i was like that's an audacious name and then they started playing i'm like oh my god so much yeah. so that they played on it was a monday night at the store, awesome. which is, <laughs> this is later on. They played in Oakland, where, where I'm from, and yeah. they it was a Monday night, already bad, right? Uh, and then somehow, like two bills got booked and they got put together. Additionally, very bad, mm -hmm. and they were the last out of like seven bands, and they were on tour. This, you know, Bellingham is where Dog Shredder was from, yes. and. I had played with them. So I knew. And I'm sitting there, like, calling up every friend I have. Come out right now to the store club. I know how that sounds. Just come. Just do it. You will not regret. If you if you come to this show, you will not regret it. Just, like, hard selling. Anyone that would listen. And I got maybe seven people out. <laughs> Which, to be fair. It's not, not bad for a Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it, and every single one of them. And they did. They normally played an amazing set. They played their cover of "Heart of the Sunrise" by Yes. Oh and wow! Every single one of those seven people were like, "Thank you so much for dragging me out to this because this band is incredible." I'm like, "Cool." <sighs> Thank you for coming out on a Monday night at like twelve thirty at night, you know, after a seven band bill to see this band with this absurd name because they are freaking awesome. But yeah, that's. I mean, uh, and they were they were rare in their ability to maintain like. You know, 
total maximalist. Yeah. They come out of the gates and you think, oh shit, you know, this isn't going to hold up. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, fuck me. I'm tired just watching you. (laughs) This is just what they do. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, because the drums, I mean, like, I think it's easier to do as a guitar player, but like, as as a drummer, I mean, he's just, you know, just go and, yeah, go, yeah. Go, and you're like, good lord, where's he getting this energy from? <laughs> and so, I love that. Um, but yeah, I guess on this record, we were trying to just almost, I guess, play music that you wouldn't necessarily notice the musicians, you know, um, yeah. you would just you just hear the music. And also, I think the other thing for us, everything sort of post, probably like our first three albums, our first three albums were just, um, we're on tour, you know, these are our songs that we most want to record, um, get in the room, smash it out and, you know, release it ASAP, move on. And then after that, we started to go, I started to really produce them more and direct them more and go, I don't want each album to sort of follow the same pattern. And um, I'm happy to, that song maybe will hold off and it'll go on the next album. So more and more, we want to make sure when we make an album that we're, you know, exploring a new idea um, rather than just um, repeating the same sort of ideas. So that's, that's why this one is, I feel like it's the most, um, you know, singularly focused record we've uh, ever done and perhaps ever will. Um, and it's got a different niche for sure. I mean, you guys, you know, you, you're, you're not, a, you're definitely not a band that repeats yourself very much, but this, this scratches a very specific itch and it's interesting because it's not one I've heard from you before, but I like it. Yeah. And uh, also just making it in that weird isolation. It's like, well, fuck, we actually don't know what it sounds like. (laughs) Like, There's there's no way of sort of the only people that heard it were the three people that performed on it and the two people that helped record it. Like um, the guy who owns the studio and and Mike who recorded Raving Drooling recorded this album as well. and me, and, uh, and and now you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then I immediately take a nap afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, it's it's really strange because you know I literally just before logging on here, I walked up the hill where the last time I spoke to you on this show, you know, oh, yeah. I went in. the beast you were seeing, the beast in the fields. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's just a, it's surreal because it's like, oh, fuck, a lot has happened and a lot, a lot more has not happened <laughs> in the meantime. Testifying, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've never done so little moving around. Like, um, yeah, uh, yeah we, we still haven't gone into state. Funnily enough, when you called, uh, when we spoke last time, we had just cancelled um, well, we hadn't, but Hawes had just cancelled their tour, and I think it's been rebooked two or three yeah. times. Finally, now, it's finally happening, is it? Yes. Yeah. So I just hope that they get here and they play, and if we also make it to the shows, then great. Um, that's sort of where things are at uh, that's now. Crazy. That 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 has to be where it's at now, right? I mean, like, yeah, where you're just like. Well, I'm pretty sure there's this really cool thing happening, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, like there's always room for time. There's time for things to fall apart still. 
you know. And I think it's a yeah, it's a weird mix because you know this from. I mean, um, I almost didn't want to bring up Catawall because I'm so like gutted that I couldn't be there, but I'm so stoked that it happened and all that. But as people are playing bands and organize stuff, we constantly live about six months or more in the future. Yes. Um, and now we're in this weird period of time where we yeah sort of still have to do that, but kind of don't. And so as an example, you know, when, when we last spoke, our album was coming out anyway. So we didn't, we didn't delay. And, and frankly, I didn't see the point in delaying um, because we want to always keep working. So, yeah. Um, but at least for us, it was an easy decision. I'm not, I'm not um, criticizing. I know for other bands, like, you know, I know you had Red Fang and stuff. There's a lot more at stake for them, yeah, yeah. you know, so. Whereas we're sort of going, look, we're just doing our thing. We'll, we'll keep on going. Um, well, and even that service but, record that just came out, which is one of my favorite, it might be my favorite of the year, but they, they kind of sat on that for a while as well. And then eventually kind of soft footed it forward and now it's out. And like, it's great because they're now they can go out and support it because again, we willed COVID away. So, yes, uh, yeah. but, uh, but I fully get while, you know, last record we did I, at a certain point, it was like, just do it. I, I can't, I can't sit on this any longer. Like, I don't, I don't like to me, this is this, it's, it's becoming an impossible task not to have this record. Now. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, and then, you know, like, and, and knowing full well that it's not going to necessarily get the attention of would if, if there had been like touring behind it, because that's where smaller bands sell music is is on tour as you well know and and when that's just not there for you it's like well you could just stop or you could choose to be zen about it and be like it's going to be what it's going to be and i think it's uh I, I, that's how i have tried to adopt the personality i've tried to adopt notice the 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 we're doing all the work in that sentence is try yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> i tried to adopt that philosophy but well, look mean, it's, it's yeah it's all about trying to again trying to um find the the path of least resistance like what you know what 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 might work here and uh, for, for us i can tell you one thing i'm doing is um i haven't made a release date yet because i haven't printed the covers <laughs> and right, right. i'm is... just not doing it now until i know they exist <laughs> Like, uh, you can see them. <laughs> yeah, because you see, because you see the truck coming down the road and you see them like bouncing in the back like a cartoon, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then All yeah, right. when I when I finished printing them, I will then work out a, a probably a short um, release um, schedule. But I just don't. Everyone's you know done gone through this process of pre-ordering an album that takes six yeah. months, or, and I just don't want to. Um do that again um a, a literal chill just went up my spine when you said that yeah. <laughs> although i will say i think for the most part people now kind of get it that it's just like hey man it's gonna be out when it's gonna be out uh, but there's always one or two that you know a week later hey where's the record and it was like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> nobody knows but i think everyone else has kind of got it 
I think. I don't know. But not enough to let for me to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm putting a pre-order up. And it's like, yeah, I'll send a pre-order up when it's like, no, we have an actual deadline, a, a real date when it might show up. Not like a, hey, it could be dot, dot, dot. I just won't do yeah. that. I won't do that to and, myself, let alone the, the consumer. Yeah, it's and it's it's one of those things that even though people are, yeah, they, they're understanding, it just it just adds to your your admin hours and all of that. Like, it's more bullshit. Like a better email everyone and say, hey, thanks for hanging in there. You know, all those things. So I'm just trying to, yeah. trying to limit that um, and give myself more time to do the, the stuff, like do the art, not um, not try and sell it. Um, so that's that's yeah, that's what the balance is for the next little while. Um, and it probably just means in a way for us just pressing a few less than we normally would. Right. Yeah. So um, even like actually raving drooling sold really well, which yeah. was crazy because we were always only sold stuff on tour. Made made by even of whatever the year that was. <laughs> <laughs> but even that I wouldn't rely on as like, you know, data or whatever, because that was the start of the pandemic right. and things were different then. So, um, and I, ca I can say for the few shows we've been able to do over the last couple of years, I don't know if anyone else is experiencing this, but we've been selling a lot more t-shirts and just fuck all records. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if maybe people are over it or they don't have that money to spend now or whatever, but I'm certainly not, um, you know, I'm never uh, assuming that oh because we sold you know four or five hundred of the last that the next one we can sell as many because there's also just little factors that you can't rely upon you know like or predict yeah, yeah like you might just we we did well media coverage on the last one and I guess that's because all these media outlets had nothing to do so they were to cover exactly yeah so they were upping the coverage. They were too busy for podcasts. Suddenly their schedules cleared up and it's like, ah, great. Yes. Great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and we've talked a bit about a lot of what you guys have done during the pandemic, but now there's multiple versions of, of the dead live band. There's like multiple iterations. Yeah. Can you speak a little um, bit of that? Cause I think obviously I'm interested in that. Like, I think that's, that's, that's it's, I'm for it. But like, well, yeah. what's the logic there, and how did that come to pass? Uh, so I guess it how did it come to pass was, you know, we when we started, we yeah, we just wanted to go 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 and go as hard as we could, and we never said, oh, let's like let's form band that just is a two piece. It was more the practicalities of um, we are the two people that you know, are willing to do all this. And um, so then we will then play the music that we, you know, that we can as the two of us. And people always sort of see it as almost like a, um, you know, a disability or something like, oh, geez, you do well despite only having two people. But oh, you don't have very, another friend. <laughs> yeah, but very quickly you learn that there's all these strengths, all these things that you can only do in a two-piece format that you can't do with three. Um, so I reckon maybe over the last few years, like even maybe pre pandemic, Jace was more, you know, sh like showing an interest in working with others more so than, than me. I was a bit like, uh, you know, 
I'm happy to do it either way. Um, and we did do an album um, as a three piece with a guy called BJ Morris uncle. And that was, you know, we wrote all that music for him. Um, right. It was specifically and, for that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but the other thing that was tough about that was the reality was, I think we only played twice or something in that lineup. Um, and we certainly weren't going to be able to go on tour or anything. Um, but, uh, but it was still fun to do. But the thing about, adding someone to our band that's difficult um, is essentially the way we operate. You know, it depends on the music, like this new album's a bit different, but the way we play is like, uh, you know, it's like you're on a mountain bike hurtling downhill. And <laughs> and it's really important to us to play that way. Like um, we it's never, nice. yeah, we never stop for either if one of, us fucks up we do not stop and help you know um we we keep going and we trust that you'll work it out um and, sure. yeah, absolutely. and that it's a really really important like a lot of my favorite bands not all of them but like a lot of bands share that um vaz a sort of that sort of band as well where they're always like this could fall apart and in fact i've seen it fall apart and they just you know, push through it and make it even better. So that element is really important to us. And what it means is when we've tried to play with others, um, they often just say to us, oh, I don't know what's, you've got your own language. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it can be daunting, right? Because you're basically like strapping yourself to a boulder rolling down a hill to a certain degree. Yeah. And and we don't want to sort of compromise. We, we want them to just jump in and and just go for it. So Tommy, who has started playing with us in the sort of three-piece mode, um, he's from my old high school band, and that band was drums and two basses, and um, I felt pretty confident that he could be that person, and he has been. He's actually been really, like, for some... He hasn't played really in a band for, like, the last 10 years, and he's still got this, like, arrogance in a beautiful way when he plays with us like he's he's just joined the band he's like i'm in the band like i'm just gonna tell you we rehearsed last night and he's just like uh um you know i think that we should start the song with that riff instead of that one and i was like Ooh. sorry <laughs> calling arrangement decisions <laughs> that's a bit bold isn't it you know and but um what <laughs> what we said to him we said we want to work with you um we won't um we won't teach you songs in the rehearsal room like you need to sort of do your homework um and we'll write songs together obviously but the other thing we said was we said we won't stop doing what we do so um you just tell us what you can and can't do and um we will go on and do the other things anyway so um when we go and play with Hawes in new south wales he won't come with us because he's got a job and he doesn't like that actually doesn't appeal to him that much um, to say, oh, I'll take time off work um, and go and play a support slot where, you know, most likely the crowd <laughs> won't like what I'm doing. And um, maybe, so, like, maybe they won't. It's a roll the dice. Yeah. So he's just, um, he, he's great. And, and, and what I'm really enjoying about it is, you know, we started doing the ambient shows as a way of being able to, 
play in different spaces like particularly you know rock and roll it sucks when you try and play it in like a cavernous room or something so the ambient stuff we can do anywhere um and what i've enjoyed most of the shows we've done have been two hours long and it's kind of an endurance test you know like yeah. um it's almost like a breathing exercise thing like um uh okay i'm gonna build up now i'm gonna build up over 20 minutes not not 30 seconds um <laughs> right you know. you're spreading it out almost you're spreading out the intensity yeah and you 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 sort of think we must be nearly done like you know this two hour set oh, surely we're at an hour and a half and you look down at your time and you're like two minutes no no, no we're 20 minutes in. <laughs> like um i guess i better think of something so sorry i'm going around in circles a bit here but the whole idea was you know yep let's do something with tommy and we said to tommy like you know we want to work on on an album with you and um but then we thought yeah we still want to do the other shows and then it's just been about the whole thing with dead has been like what challenge can we do next and and what what cheeky thing can we do that is what like real bands do you know like that's always been a bit of a thing for us like hey let's pretend that um you know we're the melvins or something like a band that like people you know follow um and let's just have the audacity to do that shit so um you know what's another thing that is going to really fucking in some ways make life harder but make life more interesting for us oh why don't we have three versions of the one band um <laughs> uh, and the, the reason it's exciting is because yeah, we don't play any there's maybe one or two songs that we maybe play in the two and the three piece format but for the most part that means right now you know which is funny because we're not really playing very many shows but it means right now we have you know more than three completely different sets um and we play very differently if it's two or three if it's two it's that more kind of um like we're talking about with dog show or something it's just like go 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 you know and yeah. constantly trying to well how can i play a lead and a rhythm part at the same time and you're trying to do those sort of i guess typical two-piece kind of things and then in the three piece, it's it's crazy how different it is. And I go, shit! All I, well, all I need to do is just play a beat. Like <laughs> you don't, you don't have to fill up all the space of an entire band, right? I mean, yeah. And so keeping those in your brain, like at the same time, is actually a lot more challenging than I thought. Yeah. And um, that's that's what we love about it. And we are really lucky that we have, you know, people that come to our shows, and some of them come again and again and no matter what crappy venue we play in and they keep coming they never mind that um we've had a few people come up to us and say you know what i actually don't even need to know if it, you're going to play a noise set or a three-piece set or a two-piece set right. i actually like the i like the surprise um that's great i mean that means you've earned the, like the trust right for the people that are that are there and like that's, that's yeah like, and we set it up <laughs> You know, from the beginning, we basically set it up that way. We never, ever um, did that thing that, you know, I know a lot of bands do, but I find it really boring, the idea of, like, uh, okay, we'll release an album and then we'll make sure we play the songs off that album. And, and I'm not trying – like, we don't not do that because we want to punish people. We just 
usually by the time an album is released, we are very much moved on to, you know, um, the next thing. So we just yeah. play what it, what excites us. Um, and that tends to be whatever we're currently writing. Um, and, you know, and half the time if I ask Jay, say, let's play that old song, he just goes, I can't remember it. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I can't remember it and it's not important enough to me to relearn it. So let's just, I'm just going to write a new song. And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you guys complain with that. Material. I mean, you know, good Lord. Like, it's, it reminds you of like, a, you know, that uh, Dutchman, the X, not, not X, the letter X, but the X, E, X. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what those practices look like, but like they have, they have, you know, they've been continuously making records since like you know whatever the late seventies or something. So, it's, you know, I'm sure the 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 conversations are probably somewhat similar. Of like, how's that one go? Oh, who cares? Whatever. Let's just move on. <laughs> you know, yeah. unless it's like an all time banger, you know, and in which case maybe you'll remember it, and maybe that maybe not, and also who cares and move on and make a whole new record, and that's great too. And also partly because we've written so many, we do, it's not like people don't ask. We do have songs that people ask to play. Sure. But then we're like, okay, do we relearn that one? Because that one guy in Bendigo really wants to hear it. <laughs> the one person, yeah, the one guy, like, yeah, yeah. the one I like. Uh, okay. But then someone else in Melbourne has asked for something else. And so, you know, and um, so, yeah, I it's just. You know, you're the world's most unique and specific jukebox. And so, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I have to say people are really, really, yeah. I know that we created it as well, but I am very thankful for um, the fact that our, you know, fans are willing to not, every time they see us, they're willing to see literally an entire set of music that's never been released and you, you, um, they're okay you, with that. You've earned that goodwill and trust that like they know that whatever they're going to see is going to be worth their time, which is great. I mean, that's, Look, that's that's no mean feat in this day and age. Like you know, especially in this era that I feel like you know personally that all social media and whatnot has elevated the audience over the art in, in a lot of cases. And yes, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got strong feelings about that too, but uh, it's a different show. So I think that that's that's a great place for you guys and and the kind of folks engage with it you know like josh vanek is uh the first person that you know i heard about you guys from i'm like years and years ago and i was like oh okay i'll remember that and i didn't i didn't uh <laughs> for, many, for many years but like look josh is a hard sell you know he's he's uh he's he's not someone that pulls his sword and puts it in service of of someone very often so it it, it means a lot when he when he does and yeah, you got a lot of those kinds of folks in your corner, of which you know, in some capacity, I would call myself <laughs> as well. You know, uh, and it's not an army, but it certainly is a roundtable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Josh is great, and he's going to release this album in the states. Uh, and um, yeah, it's. It's it's hard. It's a funny time. To, I've always actually been confused as to really what a label is, and I run a label. <laughs> um, but 
I don't know what it is. I think it's maybe because I became obsessed with music at five years old mm-hmm. um, and I could not get enough of it. And we had a CD player that was in like 1990 or something. So like we, we had a CD player in my house pretty early on and I would go to the library and just um, borrow whatever CD, you know, there there was um, and most of it was awful. Um, and <laughs> But then I at think, least you pay for it, you know. Exactly. And I think by the time I started to learn that, you know, record labels exist, I sort of like was too far into like an obsession with bands. So I don't know how to explain it, but I just, it never, I never joined those dots and maybe particularly cause I was, um, I was, you know, I was underage. So I wasn't able to like go yeah. to the events and things like that. So I wouldn't have learned about, um, you know, labels like discord or whatever. So by the time, I worked out that that exists. I just was like, oh, I actually never noticed that when I buy a record. I never notice who released it or, um, so, uh, yeah, the reason I say all that is Wantage is, um, one of those labels that for me actually really flipped that. And I, I like, I just consumed every band he released and I found them all interesting in one way or another. And, I loved how different, you know, I think I discovered him through big business. Sure. Yeah. And then I started, you know, and then I, you know, drunk horse and FedEx and yeah, I was like, yeah, there's something that does join these bands together, but it's not, um, style. Like it's not image or style. Yeah. It's like mindset ethos. Yeah. Shared delusion, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. And so that feels, I mean, he, I literally have the test pressing of that first Red Fang album. Yeah. 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 Because, and there might be four listeners that appreciate this reference, but because he sent it to me and said, Hey, um, uh, Brian from Last of the Juanitas has a new band. You know, you might, I know you love Last of the Juanitas and, um, you might dig this. And, uh, you know, then like he, he just has that um, knack of connecting. Uh, connecting and trusting bands to do what they do. Um, and I trust that he actually really has our best interest at heart because I've seen him with those bands, you know, support them and then like shuffle them on to somewhere bigger if need be. He doesn't sort of go, no, 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 that's mine. You know, you you said you were going to work with me like this. Yeah, I, so. I have two two quick last the one Anita sidebars. Uh, one of which is I saw them play at somebody's kitchen in Oakland. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> full stacks, you know, like full bore, but it was in somebody's kitchen, and I was maybe one of two people there that knew who they were. But there was just a very sh- surprised group of party goers, uh, and it was fantastic, by the way. Uh, and I saw them many times and <laughs> remember when I told you about like getting people out to see dog shredder on Monday and there's set being seven people. That's about what the crowd usually was. And like, it was like, it was like me and like Tim green and, and like, you know, five other people, you know, it's like, okay. Uh, and, but I love that band. I love that band so much that at the time, what was the biggest show I'd ever played, which was support for trans am. I made special certain I wore a last of the Juanita's t-shirt specifically because I knew it was going to be a well-photographed event. 
And I, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be like, I wanted to be last of Juanitas because that's a band that deserves to be known. Uh, and and then, yeah, I, I just remember because we played some shows with Party Time too. Like I said, these I said were very dangerous show at an Opium Den, former Opium Den in San Francisco that was structurally unsound. It was big business and Party Time and us. And in retrospect, wow, what a terrible idea. But you know, Party Time was the band in between Last Juanitas and Red Fang. Mm. And I remember when that first Red Fang came out, I was like, oh, the Party Time guys have like a like a cool Sabbath sounding band. Oh, neat. Right on. And like, I, you know, I was like, oh, this is good. Didn't think too much about it. And then the video for Prehistoric Dog came out. I was like, that's a very funny video. And then like, you know, explosion of amazingness. And they, <laughs> they went off like a rocket ship into the night. And I was like, oh, that's great. Because like all those guys are like a bunch of gnarled old alley cats that just basically are doing what they love. And they're getting to pay it forward like you know and and put all these the weirder bands that they like on and just make a living like being rad dudes playing rad riffs probably like a rare moment where that organic thing happened like is in a a film clip actually went viral and uh at least it wasn't actually good it was actually something of value and like you know worthwhile rather than being like oh this is yeah, you know, whatever. Some precious acoustic cover of some '80s hit. Great, never seen that before. Uh, yeah. you know, like, like it's it was just a really wonderful moment, I, and I'm forever grateful for Aaron coming on doing a not just a one but a two part episode, like breaking down everything. I really should have Brian Giles on again because I had him on like episode four or something. But I really didn't know what the hell I was doing then, so <laughs> I should definitely have him on again because uh, I, I love that guy and. Uh, yeah, that's that's a perfect example of a band just that they do what they want to do and they found an audience doing it and freaking awesome. That's good. That's yeah. Beautiful. I don't know why I got on it. You mentioned Last of Monitas and I just that's a band that couldn't get arrested, man. I love that. I love that band, but like nobody, nobody would come see them play. And like I you was, can hear it, like yeah, in their music, you go, yeah, this sounds great, and I I'd be pretty <laughs> surprised if they were popular. I don't know why. Like, is in. Everyone I've ever played them to goes, yeah, this, this I love it. This rips, but it just, um, I don't look, know. sometimes I it's I don't know what they were like on stage either. Like, like I, I can tell you with Dead, like we it was intense previous- again when they played someone's kitchen. I'm like, how in the name of fuck are you gonna have last one? Need play your kitchen, and they they yeah. did, and people were just more like, Whoa. maybe was- they kind of had that energy that uh, it's weird. I, I can tell you that we had a band before Dead. Um, the uh, called Fangs of, and I thought when that's how I met Jace through that music. I thought oh, this would be fun to be in a band that's actually maybe going to be a bit popular because his songs are really good. Like, yeah. and yeah. prior to that, I'd played only kind of experimental music, and um, that band with Jace was the least popular thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> again and again and again and again, like, and everything that could go wrong went wrong, and yeah every we would go back and back and back to the same cities and people just fucking hated us and i couldn't get my head around it but i will say as soon as then we formed dead those same places were different and i think part of it was actually that our um attitude we we were just yeah you know in dead we're always much more likely to kind of engage with the audience or something and in the fangs of we were just kind of like head down and you know we were not angry dudes at all but 
in retrospect, I can see how it seemed that way. Um, right. And, and, and I, you know, I, as a audience member love to see that, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like that's like bands like Vaz and even the Melvins. And, you know, the first time we saw Vaz, we were like in love yeah. and terrified of them, you know, like, well, was, like, that's like not going to stop me loving their music, you know? Like, yeah, yeah exactly. The, 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 yeah. The unstoppable force, meaning the movable object. It's like, oh, yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, sometimes that, that plays a role, even though you don't realize it. Because I, I know with Dead, I made a really deliberate attempt because we do a lot of regional touring. Um, and frankly, we play a lot of places where a brown person walking into the pub is a bit weird. So I just made a real. I made a rule. I was like, every time we go to one of these places, the first thing I do is I walk up to the bar and find the the local, like the roughest looking, you know, get out of my patch sort of dude, and just say good day and look him in, look him in the eye and just say hey, thanks for even if it's not his pub, you know, just hey, thanks for having us. We're going to be playing later tonight, and you know, yeah. and um, it's actually amazing how much that can turn things around and how often those people have then watched us play because they're no longer scared of us, you know, because we've established. It's like th then they can go, oh, the thing you're doing seems a bit scary, but I know that you're not because. Yeah, I talked talk to you earlier. Know, we were, we're yeah. talking about, you know, like whatever. <laughs> like yeah. television, yeah. And, well, and that's, I think, I agree with you. I think that there's something to be said for, you can you can it's not like even disarming a situation so much as it's just engaging with someone on a human level that it it changes the scope of the interaction. Yeah, definitely. And I'm always surprised by people to feel there's power in being aloof and oh what am I, yeah, that's a cape flap for the for the listeners. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And it's it's like come off it. <laughs> you think you are like no. It's never excited me that either. You touched on it before, like that whole rock star thing. Um, it's actually always been the opposite for me. Like I remember as a kid um, seeing an underage Mr. Bungle show, which really was quite life-changing for me. Oh, yeah. Um, but what made it better, you know, was the fact that um, Trey and Trevor and maybe one of the others were just sort of hanging out with us before they played, you know? and Just, they weren't rock stars at all and i was like yeah. that's 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 what i want like i don't want to see someone that thinks they're better than us i want to see someone that loves what they do and um you know has sort of humility or or you know humbleness maybe um because it makes it all the more powerful you know then suddenly you, you see that guy shredding and you're like shit yeah, wow, man you know um that's it's actually more intense because i i've confirmed that he's a human being <laughs> not some you know what i mean like yeah yeah, yeah exactly it's you know it's, I, I, yeah i don't know i don't understand why people think they can get away with like oh maybe they'll think i'm a demigod no they're not going to think you're a demigod they're going to think you're a dick is what they're going to yeah <laughs> I, look at Depends on the receiver, I think. I think some people are looking for that. They're looking for a leader. Um, but when I look for a good footballer, I look for someone that's good at football, not someone that's good at football and then is going to also tell me how to live, you know? like. Yeah. 
and similarly with a musician really i i fucking love music so i want to see someone that loves it play it uh and i don't need to then hold them on a pedestal in any other area except where they have proven it like yes that person rips on drums <laughs> you know but sure. it's okay if they're not the greatest at other things you know yeah yeah speaking of other things how how are things going in australia i know that you've kind of been championing the ideas of making sure that musicians are being paid for their for their for their time and for their work and for the effort and not just you know paid in high fives yeah <laughs> as we say here and by we i mean me well it's been an interesting time for that um and again potentially a bit of a silver lining like a silver lining to a a massive cloud of shit you know like um i don't think that it out you know weighs the shitties but um some of the things that are fairly different i guess down here is there is more um there are more opportunities within the music world that include government um you know funding um and though those opportunities have traditionally been very gatekeeped by certain people in the industry so it's been well, more about isn't, isn't considered art is you know like considered an objective truth by those people where in reality it's the most subjective of subjectivity yeah but not just that just literally people who have made a career out of um you know getting that funding and not distributing it to the musicians Mm. um because that's the way usually those fundings work you know like hey we've just announced a million dollars to this sector and it's like yeah what you mean is a million dollars is going to mates of yours who will then put on shows and rip bands off and buy another you know investment property in europe um and you can say hey yeah we injected a million dollars into that sector but you didn't you um you know you gave it to a few people up the top uh, and it did not trickle down, um, despite, you know, that, I don't know if that's a, a term that's used over there, but it's a big one that's used here by oh, um, yeah. politicians. Trickle down economics, to which I say the only trickling down is usually urine. Yeah, and not just that, but how fucking offensive a term is it to use? Like, yeah. that they don't even realise how gross that is. It's yeah. saying, hey, they don't they're not saying it's a faucet you know and we're gonna yeah. you know no, no, you might get a drop or two yeah thanks. yeah it's literally like that scene in mad max you know where they're like waiting oh, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. The, for the water and then they turn it off that's yeah. that's what trickle down sounds like so what's happened over the last couple of years though has been um a, a, i guess the opportunity for people to no longer um you know turn a blind eye to I think there's all going back to that smoke and mirrors. Like I think musicians have been their own worst enemy often uh, putting on a facade of everything being good when in fact it's not. Um, so, you know, not wanting to, um, you know, be public about venues or promoters ripping you off because you know that that's going to affect you in the future. Um, and I've been one of them, you know, um, I've been someone that's, you know, been ripped off and kind of kept it to myself because I don't want to uh, be known as a troublemaker. Um, but I think what happened during this time is 
uh, both Jason and I went, you know what, fuck that. Like people should people should have to stand by the things that they do, you know, um, and you shouldn't feel bad about uh, just telling the truth, you know, uh, when it's not an opinion, um, you know. So um, what is changing a little bit um, is just trying to think of the best way to explain it, but um, it, it coincides with, um, like I do a lot, one of my jobs is in a suicide prevention um, space. And so mental health has over the last few years, you know, really changed as far as it being acknowledged. Um, and while people are, you know, you know, far behind on learning about this, one thing that's easy to explain to people generally is, hey, do you care about the mental health of your workers? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, probably be better at working if you do. Yes. Yeah. So what if I told you that ripping them off affects their mental health negatively? It's kind of a difficult one to go. Nah, like that. You know, like so. It's. I think people are getting their heads around the idea that um, okay, these two things matter. Um, and we have had some ability to um, get people like and punters as well behind the idea that, uh, yeah, I would like um, the shows that I go to to be, you know, um, shows where they are not just exploiting um, the musicians. Um, a, a friend of mine said, you know, early on in the pandemic, she said music in Melbourne has value for the first time in maybe two decades. Wow. So let's not, you know, because suddenly there was less of it, you know, so people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, people, so, so it wasn't a rarity for it to be valued. And that's yeah. So it sort of flipped a bit like, Oh, we've got some power that we didn't have before. Yeah. Look, I, I put, I put gas in the van gas tank today, $5 a gallon. Yeah. You know, it was like, that was 150 bucks. And it was like, wow. All right. How much are we making with these shows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And those things are real. It's oh, like hey, you can't you can't pretend they're not happening. Like, so um, you know, you want a band to come from Melbourne to Sydney, and yeah, petrol costs at least fifty percent more than it did two years ago. Yeah. Um, that cost is real, and if your business model relies on um, being subsidized by the bands, then you have a shit model. Um, and it's and, like, would you, would you yeah. just be like, oh, maybe we'll pay you sound guy. Maybe we'll pay you door guy. Yeah, maybe we'll get around to that. Like, how that wouldn't be acceptable. So, like, why is it acceptable to do that to the bands? Oh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Why don't we see yeah. how it goes if we play? How, how about that? Yeah. Yeah, so look, there's there's been some um, positive movement. Uh, I've also copped heaps of abuse, you know, and um, yeah, and there's a lot of people. I mean, punks are our own worst enemies as well because there's a lot of people in the DIY scene that are so um, anti um, anything that sort of maybe puts pressure on them to actually be, you know, professional or do a good job. Um, and to that, I say, that's okay. You can do that as well. Like you can, you can put on a show in a rehearsal room. You can charge a dollar 50 if you want entry, like no one's stopping you doing that. 
Um, but if you're playing in a licensed venue, you know, like you're sorry, you're part of a, a business. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the costs have gone up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the costs have gone up. And if you can afford to always play and, and pay to be there, that's great. I, you know, I envy that, but, um, people are missing out on being in their scene because they're a single mum, and they've now, they can now can't afford to play and that's shit and doesn't need like it's unnecessary so I'm, I'm really coming at it from a point of view of inclusivity and um and uh you know i guess accessibility and and and, and equity which is saying you know in the time i've been playing music live which is like 22 years or something i've seen it become more middle class you know because um people can't afford to be a part of it um but that's not and and that's like we have no problem if we put on a show and two people turn up we don't expect money to come down from the heavens like we'll wear it but it's when you're repeatedly playing in venues where their um standard model is to pay everyone except you <laughs> um and and then not only not pay you properly but take three or six months to actually pay the invoice you know all that shit so um yeah i wish i could explain this a little better but there is some positive movement um i think uh and i have had bookers for the first time um understand it like be like yeah actually that's fair enough okay no we won't make you charge 10 bucks entry you can charge 20 or you know like yeah yeah so that that's and that never used to happen ever it just used to be uh i really don't care what you have to say little man <laughs> this is how we do it uh whereas now people are open to the idea of hey maybe things need to be different well and there's also you know i i Think about the Blind Shake album title, Celebrate Your Worth, right? Like, you're worth it. Yeah. You know, like, you, you may have all society saying that what you do isn't important and you're just doing this for fun. And maybe it is fun, but it is also work. And you've taken the time and effort to do this thing. And people are literally paying for it. So perhaps you should see something of that, if nothing else, to keep things moving, to move forward to the next thing. Yes. From your practical perspective. Yeah, and again, yeah, it's about supporting that ecosystem. Like, so that means that you go and get paid when you play a little better, and then that means when you go to make another album with Toshi, you don't say, "Hey, can we cram this into four days?" Right. Um, which every sound engineer is like, you know, uh, dealing with the stress of all the time now. Like every sound engineer we speak to says. Things that used to be done in 10 days are now done in three. Things that you, you know. Right. So it's, again, it's about like just get, seeing a bit of the bigger picture and going, you know, because this, um, this kind of is, uh, there's a knock on effect. So, you know, we have underpaid sound engineers um, because, you know, there's been no money in the show. So the sound engineer has said, oh, this is my fee. And we've gone, Phew a bit low like but they've set it low because everyone in the industry is getting paid bugger all so yeah it's about just 
um, again, saying, like, again, all right, if, if you're happy to be that band that always plays for free, think about it. Are you also, you know, paying everyone? Are you tipping when you go to the rehearsal room? Are you are you tipping your sound engineer? You know, like, like where does it end? Because if you're, you know, part of that, um, keeping those, um, you know, costs, uh, those expenses lower than they should be, then you are perpetuating this, you know, poverty, you know. Um, it's hard to get people to, to think that way and, and, and maybe re-examine or think about it for the first time, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's hard. Yeah, it is, yeah. But, yeah, I think there's um, some positives uh, uh, in there, I think, yeah. It's a good time to shake things up because change is normal at the moment, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so that's another thing that what people don't, when people are in a siege state, when people are in a, a situation where they expected the next bad thing to happen, they start to think of change as being exclusively something that can, is negative, something that will negatively affect things. It will make things incrementally worse. It will make material mm. conditions worse off than they were before. That is not true. It's just hard to get yourself into the mindset of thinking that way <laughs> because what you're going to notice more than anything else are negative trends. So, yeah. And I'm not talking about like the power of like, you know, cockeyed optimism necessarily. I'm talking about pragmatic. It's very pragmatic. And what people don't realize now is we have been trained culturally worldwide to be cynical. And it's, it's coached in other terms. And even some people even wear like a magic courage, but we're being coached to be cynical and to accept only the possibilities presented to us that make money for the intervening agencies and, companies that are pushing those things and it's not true and that's one of the things that's hardest to get people's heads wrapped around because until you see it until it materializes it's just an idea and we are now actively trained not to believe that mm. we're being fed the ideas here are the ideas that are approved for you you know, here, here, here are the uh, here are the Netflix shows to binge watch. Here are you know this, that, and the other. And then until you see something like that actually happen, the majority of you in this case, uh, it's hard for people to grasp. And so it requires people a vision, which I think this is very much something that yourself, Jim, you 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 are a man of vision in this way. That until <laughs> it actually starts happening, people almost don't understand the concept of it or that can be reality, but it can. And everybody has this power, but because everything we have is designed to celebrate the individual without uh, funding the needs of the individual purposefully. Mm. The people wanting, yeah. they're easier to advertise to. So what that means is it's, it's incumbent upon those of us that, you know, the, the foolish, the brave, <laughs> you know, the misplaced optimism, the doomed, whatever you what, whatever you have it to push forward and light the way. So I think it's fantastic and, and I'm all for it. And if I wasn't doing 70,000 other things, I'd probably try to start something similar here. Uh, but I, you know, it's incremental change is still change. And like getting people to rethink the situation has power. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's also about sort of um, 
Oh, kind of lost my train of thought there a bit, but I'm oh, sorry. It's about also like music. I don't know, music fans, maybe particularly in the punk world or something, are very nostalgic um, and really stuck in the past. And, you know, so sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll remind you that, you know, um, okay, you know, Fugazi shows were $5 or something. And you go, yeah, that was like 30 years ago. 100,000 years ago, exactly. That, and the material conditions were very different, yeah. If we applied that same, like, just with inflation to now, it would mean the show costs more than than what you're proposing, of course. and things change that people don't, you know, necessarily acknowledge. So, you know, up until um, CDs stopped being a thing, people paid for music, like that was a real thing. Um, but there's a whole generation now that doesn't even know what that is. So, like my niece, she's she's obsessed with music, and she's always sending me her playlists and stuff and her, her classic rock playlist has Queen and Weezer in the same breath because yeah, they're, yeah, just, all they're one, just old yeah. white dudes, you know? <laughs> like, exactly. um, and she's got so many songs that mean so much to her, you know? Like she was telling me the other day about how, oh, that feeling when you hear a song and you just have to keep putting it on and on and on again and again. But she's never paid for music ever in her life. So I, I don't even know when it'll happen. Like, it'll be like a weird, um, you know, she might in her later teens, she might get into vinyl and then it'll be like a weird sort of, um, you know, like a bit of a, uh, it'd be a strange experience for her to go, oh, I'm going to give money to someone and they'll give me music back, you know. So things change and you have to find your own ways of being like how all we really care about as far as where dead is at is how can we keep going you know right sure and if if that means that people buy our music great if that means that people pay to see us play a show great um if that means we've, we've got like uh the band camp subscription thing happening now and that has been the best yeah it's been the best thing we've done in years um can you speak we, a little bit to that? Because that is one of the only things I actually forgot to ask you. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, you know, again, I I think, you know, sometimes some things work for some people and some for others. And uh, I know that people tend to, oh, you know, I remember like a housemate saying, oh, we're just going to make our album free because death groups made their album free and they got huge. And I was like, yeah, but. Um, You're not death groups. They're not the same. Like, uh that's not necessarily why, you know? Yeah. Um, and so same with things like subscription or, or, or your Patreons or whatever, like it's going to be, you know, it's not, it's not a one size fits all, but what we did was when it came out that Spotify, when, when we sort of realized Spotify was funding AI weaponry, um, we went, ah, fuck it. Like uh, that's, that's, that's enough for us. We've, we've been on there long enough. We gave it a go. Um, we don't really make any money out of it. It's just not important to us to be on there. Yes, we understand that by removing our music from there, we'll lose some opportunities. But honestly, at this point, we'll, we'll, that doesn't bother us. So we took our music off there. And, um, and at that point, I think we were m making about $75 a year from Spotify. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
So then after much deliberation, I thought, yeah, I will give this um, Bandcamp subscription thing a go. But I thought a lot about how to do it. And I thought um, in this day and age of like um, crowdfunding and stuff, there's a tendency for people to go, um, uh, oh, you know, we really want to make an album. Oh, shit, we don't have money for it. Okay, we'll do a crowdfunding. And you end up creating all these crazy things like, hey, give us this amount of money and I'll, you know. Um, I'll do a personal yeah. tap dance for you. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, we'll yeah. make you a pinata of your head, you know, whatever. Okay. <laughs> and there's a certain, certain person from a certain major label band back in the day that set a, a record in crowdfunding. We don't need to name them, but um, my God, you know, she, she really, when I saw her um, crowdfunding thing, I was like, fuck, I've, I've never been so offended in my life at some of the options. But people, you know, you know, if, you've, if your fans want to do that, that's great. If your fans want to pay you shitloads of money to do a portrait of them, even though you're not a painter, great. But... I thought about who who are our fans? Like our fans are not those people. They're not, um, you know, our fans are people that take the piss out of us when we meet them. They're not, they're not people that like hold us up as, you know, and um, our fans are people that say, Hey, do you need somewhere to stay? You know, cause you can stay at my house, you know? So, so basically I set it up just as about as minimal as I could. I was like, um, Bandcamp is a an, an unusually good platform. Um, it, you know, touch wood, it seems to have still genuinely to be ruined. So, yeah. well, what's the best of the graveyard on that one? And the way we set it up, or I set it up, I should say, is I just said it's it's four dollars a month or more, and all you're doing is supporting us to do what we already do, um, but it'll happen quicker if there's more money. So there's not going to be any crazy like, oh, you know, pledge this amount and then we'll send you this or, you know. Uh, and also because postage has been such a bitch these wow. last few years, I thought I didn't, most of our fans are in the US and now to send them a CD costs like $24. So if you can even do like it, you can't even, I haven't checked in a while, but for a while they just were like, nope, you can't send anything to Australia <laughs> anymore. I'm like, what? You just can't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. So, um, yeah, we just set it up as like, hey, you know, if you give us this money, we'll keep doing what we do. Um, and you know that we do stuff regularly. So we're not a band that releases an album every two to three years. We tend to release something, you know, every sort of, we release something every, you know, maybe six months or, or, and it's been really, really good. And we make, um, about twice as much a month from it as we would from Spotify. Um, and it's, you know, it's growing and it genuinely helps us. Uh, it's like, oh, and actually now I can afford to pay the mastering engineer for the album. Um, <laughs> Which is nice. Great. Like, so now these people that gave us money will get the record earlier. And look, we do do it. I have released a few things on the sly where I've gone, this is a club dead only release, like a, you know, something I've recorded in the rehearsal room or whatever, but I keep that fairly minimal because um, the whole idea is nah, if you're signing up, you're signing up because you want um, in the same way that I'm a, a patron of, of your show. I just go, yeah, I, I want to hear this stuff. 
So it's pretty, it's, this to me seems like a pretty good deal. Like you've given me a really easy way <laughs> to give you a really small amount of money. Yeah. And I'll get to hear all this shit from all these cool people. Um, like that's just, I, I think just what, we, you know, there's a lot to undo in the music industry because for so long it just ran rife as far as, um, uh, the the musicians themselves just being just so brutally exploited that now it's very hard to claw that back and say to people you know hey you know what like um, that shit actually costs money like whether you paid for it or not it, it does cost money so do you want to you know do, do you want to be a part of that or because <laughs> right. yeah, I, I everyone's brains to like. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't want to only listen to, you know, um, Paul McCartney and stuff for the rest of my life. And and I love Paul McCartney, but I, yes. I don't want to only listen to people that already established themselves, you know, um, in the sort of heyday. I I want to hear, you know, um, the new record from Throat, and I want to hear, you know, like that. I want to hear that stuff. So yeah, it's worked out really well for us, and. Um, you know, someone asked me the other day, I was at some sort of industry thing and they were a bit suspicious of it. And they said, oh, yeah, well, uh, that sounds really good. But, you know, how many people have you lost? And I said, well, they said, what happens when you lose people? And I said, well, we haven't. <laughs> so, I'll let you know if it happens. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah, it's been really good. And um, if that's something that anyone listening, you know, can use as a tool to, uh, keep doing what they do. I, I definitely encourage it, but like all things, um, you know, like, like, I mean, going back to the crusty, uh, uh, metaphor, I mean, you know, what you do with this show is it's so much represents actually what dead has always been about too, which is like, yeah, let's be DIY, but not shitty about it. Like, let's be, let's strive to do things as well as we can, you know? So to me, you know, that, that's when DIY is at its best. Like, you know, hey, this is a real, genuine show. This is a professional show. This is, like, the DIY version of that, you know, like um, Letterman or whatever, you know, like that thing that you knew was all, like, you could rely on, like, every, you know, um, every Saturday night or whatever those shows were on, you know, like, that's going to happen and I'm going to, um, and uh, rather than just, yeah, let's just, photocopy all our covers and, and do the bare minimum because yeah, whatever it's punk. I, I don't like that. I actually really like, you know, everyone doing, I, I love it when people do the best that they can. And so this right. is a way that if, if it works for you, but you've got to put the work in um, like all things, you know, the same way that if you stopped making this show, I would stop giving you that dollar a month or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I give it to you for a while and then I go, Hey, you know what? No, nah, no, nah, this isn't the deal. Yeah. So it's the same with us. If we stopped giving the club dead people um, music, then I wouldn't expect them to stick around. Yeah. Well, and there's that trust, right? And that's what, that's what it comes down to. And also to speak to your point, DIY doesn't necessarily mean it has to look like crap or like, you know, be, you know, be of lesser value. It just. Absolutely. Yeah. And I fully reject anybody that would claim that that'd be the case or would, would say that like, uh, you know, however, whatever terms they coach it in. I think that that's uh people limit themselves all the time. 
And again, that goes back to my earlier rant about it being, you know, it's look, a lot of our societal elements are there so people can be sold to. And it's, it's just the way it is. It's something to endure more than anything else. If you're aware of it, I think it's easier to contend with, but just realize that like, you don't have to accept it. Mm. Right? And that, that's something that look, I say a lot of stuff and a lot of people I talk to say a lot of stuff too, but if people can come away with any, any like kind of guiding principle is, is, you know, just give it a go. <laughs> right. I mean, like, well, the worst could happen. It fails. Great. Well, at least you, you tried. You know, what's the butthole surfer saying? It's better to, uh, <laughs> better regret something you have done than something you haven't. <laughs> yeah. And then, the bloody red hot chili peppers put that in a song. I was like, uh, I mean, they they referenced the bottle surface. I was like, no, that's not fair. They're, you don't get to do that. Yeah, that's yeah, they're <laughs> they're our band. They're for the weirdos. They're not yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But um, I was like, yeah, and it's never been a better time to do that stuff. Anyway, like that's the other good, you know. Again, the positive. If you think of, I mean, for that, that's a weird example. It's it's so strange. You know, I, I grew up in a time when the butthole surfers were on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Like, <laughs> right. that is... Who approved that? <laughs> yeah, but that is weird. But also, who knows how many other bands like them, um, you know, never uh, sort of saw the light of day. Whereas now, if you are a band, not that fuck, very few bands are as fucked up as they were, but... If you do happen to be in a band uh, that's as weird as them, um, you're not going to get funded to play, to record an album the way they did, but you can, you know, you can put it out there in a way that they would never have dreamed of at the time, you know, and probably that's what they exactly would have done. Imagine if in the 80s you said to um, the butthole surfers, you, you know what you can do? You can actually just put this shit on a, like a space where the whole world can get it. I imagine they would have gone, fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's do, do it. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's the catch? <laughs> yeah. So it is, you know, that's the positive. It's a good time for that. And um, yeah, and we can engage in this media uh, and you don't have to watch Netflix or whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, there's some good stuff on there. I know, but yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's fine. It's whatever. But the, 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 the thing that, the thing that people need to remember is like the latest Netflix show, like the, the last season of Stranger Things will still be there if you want to, if you want to watch it. Right. Whereas like independent media and things like that, they, the support, the support matters more. And, and I don't, I don't know, like it's hard to, again, to reprogram people to think that way because we're just trained not to think that way because everyone is, is being pushed to soft compliant consumers of, you know, receiving the media that is being put through, but like it's possible for anyone to change that. They just have to know it exists first. So, yeah, yeah, that's the biggest challenge. But you know, it's great too. I think I think this show. I kept talking about your show, but this show that you know you're doing, like pre um, this technology that we have now. Like you know, even when I first started touring in the early two thousands and stuff, it would have been a zine. Yes. <laughs> yes, it I <laughs> just, that I would have discovered in someone's bathroom, like whilst right. on tour, yeah, yeah. and gone off. Oh, 
oh, this is cool. This guy's done an interview with, uh, you know, Flipper and with, uh, what the fuck, the guy from Devo shit? Um, yeah. Cool. Oh, that's great. Um, where do you get this? Oh, you can't. <laughs> I don't know. I just got it from a guy. You had it. Oh, this sucks, though. I really want to, I want. I would like to have some of these for to give to my friends. Well, you can't, sorry. Like, <laughs> I got it off a guy. I got it off a guy in the US and who knows how many they printed and, yeah. you know, that's it. So I would just go about my way thinking, oh, that protonic reversal zine is pretty cool. Like, shame I'll never get to uh, read it again. Whereas now, yeah, you can engage straight away. Um, the, the other thing, like just to go back to the Club Dead thing, what I love about it is for me this eternal frustration, this constant frustration in the now times has been we have never had an easier way to directly give money to artists for what they do. Yeah. Um, the fidelity of music has never been higher. Um, if you like listening to vinyl, that's great, and I love vinyl too, but... Um, for bands at our level, it's pretty insane that we keep having to release it rather than just say, hey, here are the higher resolution files, higher resolution than the vinyl. Um, and all you have to do is just give us a little bit of money and we'll give it to you. Um, you know, so for the last like five years. But that, I, that doesn't enrich the middlemen, though. That's the thing. No, exactly. Yeah. And it, then maybe be more popular. <laughs> but, um, I spend all my money now on music. I spend it all on digital, basically, you know, just because because so many bands I love are maybe in Europe or the US, and it's just cra it's like it's not practical to. Um, it's, it's everyone loses, you know. Impossible for a while. I haven't checked in a month or two, but yeah, it's like yeah. So I love it that I can just go, you know. Oh, you know, um, there there is a new. I just bought the new Hammerhead. I was like, fuck, I didn't even know that they would, you know, never realized they were going to release something and yeah. paid 10 bucks or something. And now I've got a new Hammerhead record, you know, like right. what an amazing time, you know, like, yeah, it is. that would have been a $40 import CD when I was a kid. Like right. that would have been, that would have been more than, you know, that would have been like two days wages <laughs> as a kid to listen to that. So um, anyway. We we can talk about how things have changed. <laughs> things are exactly they used to be. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim, this this is this has been awesome, man. It's, it's great to have you back. It's uh, you know I, I was hoping by the next time you, that you were on that you know you had been over here and played some shows since then. But, yeah, you know that'll have to be for the future. So you know that's that's uh, that's good. And I I love uh, I love the ethic and I love the output. So you know and, and anything. Anything else that I mean, I think we covered a lot. Anything else that you wanted to cover while we were talking? Well, I did want to just, I uh, just wanted you to note that I deliberately placed my uh, noise rig here because I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I really like, I'm so stoked that I've both managed to, I, I don't want to, you know, advertise a brand that I'm not sponsored by. Um, but except for them, of course, because they're cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel uh, I just I love that sticker, and I just just I deliberately placed it like I hope that's noticed. Um, here, here we go. You get you're you're it's a little out of frame, of course. It is. It's but it's those the, in the know, yeah, those those in the know know that that is yeah. indeed what I call needs yelling. 
Yes. <laughs> Which is, um, I, and I thought that, you know, you'd um, come up with the best uh, sort of catchphrase, but then there's another one. That, what was the one that came out of Caterwall? <laughs> Loud, um, terrible. Terrible music, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, um, we have stickers of those coming as well, which is astounding. Yeah, that's um, but yeah, as far as what else to say, just uh, look, we're, we're going to keep doing what we do and um, this new album will be out soon and we deliberately uh, wanted you, Conan, to hear it and not everyone else just because yeah. I thought <laughs> that would be cool to be able to tell people, hey, um, in this day and age where usually everything's just, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it'll come out soon and, um, you know, to yeah. everyone yeah. that has people been supporting it. what we do, we really really appreciate it i hope that's i hope that's clear because i know sometimes we're too busy being immature but um we really really appreciate the heck out of it um yeah so new album soon and hopefully we will be back in the states whenever it's like feasible yeah it's not quite there yet yeah well i hope uh christian and the boys can get out there and you can rock those rock with them and rock again yes i've got, that, I've got my fingers crossed yeah, for those guys crossed, fingers crossed yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm anxious just for them i'm just like oh fuck um yeah because i know they're doing so much touring too it's like yeah they are they are they are indeed uh jim sir thanks so much man it's been a pleasure thank you yeah love it until next time, you know, I, I know you won't, but don't be a stranger. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> Take care, brother. Cheers, you too. See ya. There he goes. Oh, the amazing gem from Dead. Let's hear a tune. We'll uh, play out something from, uh, we'll do something from Raven Drooling, because that's what came out last time, and what that's I what on I have screen. on my screen.
right. That was a little bit of remorse. Uh, for Ravian's Ruling, uh, second pressing for that is happening. Uh, did we talk about that? We talked about a lot of stuff. I don't know. But that was Jem. Jem uh, from Dead, man. What a what a cool dude and cool band. So, yeah, hope you all enjoyed that. Can't wait for them to uh, get out to the U.S., man. Like, it's... Uh, People throw around the term lifers a lot, but those are those are some awesome lifers as far as I'm concerned. Hey, uh, thanks so much for listening. The name of the show is Coda Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you very much for listening to it. This show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific on Radio Nope, RadioNope.com. Say yes to Nope. Also on Twitch, YouTube, sometimes on the Facebook page when I feel like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you like the show, all the archives are free, protonicreversal.com. No ads, no sponsors. No kidding. However, if you like the show and want to get episodes sooner, $1 a month at patreon.com slash protonicreversal will achieve that very achievable goal, and your help is appreciated. Uh, Thanks to everyone for sharing the show around. That helps people find it. Liking, subscribing, all that stuff. The YouTube page is tantalizingly close to uh, a thousand. It's like, I think it's eight away now. (laughs) It's like watching paint peel. Uh, But, you know, hey, uh, thanks for paying attention at all. Whatever format you choose to experience the show. A lot of stuff coming up. There's some Kona Neutron, The Secret Friends shows coming up with service uh nashville louisville indianapolis atlanta not in that order uh neutronfriends.bandcamp.com i'm gonna start mentioning tour dates now so there you go but uh lots of good stuff coming to Portonic too mike kunka got it silo next week stay safe out there and take it easy to my top 10.
I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. If there's no one there to receive. It's the end radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. See?